Well, the good news for many of you is that I'm not going to be here long. <laughs> we are going to have this as be more of a TED talk um, or something like that. I'm putting my timer on uh, for 15 minutes, and we're going to see how I do. Okay. So today, my, my sermon is titled, Shipwrecked by Jesus. That's right, Shipwrecked by Jesus. Today, we're looking at Acts 27. If you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open them up. Sorry, we don't have screens here to, to give you, but you can open up your own Bibles or you open up your app there. And we are going to be looking at Paul as he's being sent on his way to plead his case for his wrongful imprisonment before Caesar. And, after, and, and as he's on his way of being, of being wrongfully accused, of, of being beat up, after being slandered, after being taken from, from, from where he was going, where he was, he was going to Jerusalem, he was going to worship, he's been taken away, his, two years of his life has been taken away, and you think God would now give him easy street, right? Nope. <laughs> uh, Jesus shipwrecks Paul. And so today when we look at our passage, I want us to see three things. I want us to see the storm the sailors, and the Savior. That's right, the storm, the sailors, and the Savior. The storm. Now, personally, um, I've never been out on sea in a storm. Maybe some of you have, uh, but I have been in a wave pool that got out of hand, right? Those, some of those times you're like, what's that guy doing? <laughs> He's like turning the levels up, and it, it gets a little crazy, right? Um, it's really no joke. It's really no joking about water because struggling water in water is never a joke. You ever, you ever felt like you would struggle in water? Uh, a few, like two weeks ago, we, uh, our family went to the lake and one of our boys went out onto a, a little life raft there. He assured us that he was ready to swim and so we're putting sunscreen on and he's out there and he goes under. The, the, the raft comes out from under him. Another, another one of our sons grabs him to save him, who's a pretty adequate swimmer now. And that, that moment of fear of like, this could have gone incredibly bad very fast. That, 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 that shocks you. Like how quickly things could have changed. Water is, water is one of the most powerfully destructive forces in all of this earth. I don't know if you realize that. Like when, when hurricanes come, I mean, you see that devastation. We see that here in Texas with, with Hurricane Harvey. I mean, when, when, when flooding is everywhere, water just carries cars and buildings away as if they're nothing, right? And there was like $125 billion of damage because of Hurricane Harvey. And so this is what Paul finds himself in in our second to last chapter in the book of Acts. He finds himself in a hurricane. The text says in verse 14, but soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster, which is a hurricane struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it, and we're driven or dragged along. And so it's, it's this violent, uh, lives are at stake, things don't look good. And then verse 18, and since we were violently storm-tossed, that imagery there, I think you, could just, you can feel the terror of being, of being bucked around like you're riding a bull, they began to, the next day to jettison the cargo, and on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard by their own hands, and when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. 
That's a pretty dark passage for our nice and sunny day, right? But I don't think we have to work hard to think about how does this relate to us. Like, storms in the Bible are, are images of all suffering that happens. Like, that, that all of our suffering could be described as a storm. Storms in the Bible are, are, are these, the, whether it's a literal storm that you might be going through, but the storms in the Bible, they, they depict chaos. They depict suffering. They depict the pain that is coming. And like a storm, there are times when you can see the storm coming in. You can see in the clouds, you can feel it in the air. You can feel like the pressure is changing, something bad's about to happen, and you can feel that in your life. Maybe something bad is about to happen to me. But then there are other times when the storm just suddenly comes upon you, and you're not ready for it. Losing my friend Mark Valentine a couple weeks ago was a storm that I wasn't ready for. Losing anyone to death is a storm that no one is ready for. Losing a child, I mean, just the unimaginable. Losing a loved one. Or, or experiencing this, the repulsive and violent nature of racism. Maybe for you, that the storm that you're, that you're going through is the storm of a person's doing. It's, it's their abuse towards you. Or maybe the storm you're going through right now is, is, is now it's ending in divorce. I mean, this, or the storm that every single one of us is now living in in this pandemic. And that's right, this is a storm. Like, people are dying. We're isolated from one another. We're doing drive-in church. Gosh, I never thought we'd do this. <laughs> but it's great, right? And just like Paul, storms can toss us back and forth like ragdolls and make us feel like there's violence being thrusted upon us to the point where all hope of being saved is abandoned. When was the last time you felt like that? That all hope of being saved is, is gone. That's a point, that's a low point in our lives where we feel like there is no hope. And it feels like maybe like you, you fell down into a well. And instead of, of trying to find a way to climb out of this well, you just say, this is just is what it is. I'm stuck here. And we give up. There is no hope. That is a storm. Now let's look at the sailors. The sailors depict every normal and natural response to the storm. The sailors are, are guys that you might be able to relate with here. They're, they're trained for, at, at, for sea, and every response that they have, it seems very normal and logical. Like he, Paul is the one who kind of sounds odd. He kind of sounds like a lunatic in this passage because they're on this huge boat. It's a, it is a monster of a boat for this time. They're carrying so much cargo. They're carrying prisoners. They have 276 people on this boat, the text tells us later. And Paul tries to warn them, and early on in verse 10 says, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and of the ship, but also of our lives. And Paul knows about being shipwrecked. He's been shipwrecked like three times already. And so he's kind of like, you know, I'm kind of a pro at this. If there's anything to be proud of, I'm proud that I've been shipwrecked three times. 
But why in any scenario would any of these sailors listen to a pastor? Like, you stay in your lane, pastor, <laughs> right? Like, we, we are experienced, qualified men in this. This would be weird to, li- I mean, just weird anyways to listen to any prisoner being like, oh, you think we should not go further? Maybe we should stop and get a smoothie. What do you think? No, like, that would be ridiculous. And so they move forward, but the storm comes, and that's an understatement, because the storm or the hurricane lasts two weeks with them, and they do the rational thing, and they try to manage the storm themselves. They try to secure the life rafts, they lower their gear, they throw some cargo overboard, and then the anxiety over what is happening to them forces them to, to, to freak out to the point where they stop eating as they were managing their chaos. And Paul does this, I told you so moment in verse 21. Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. And it might be, I'm, I'm, I read that, I'm like, sheesh, Paul. <laughs> Maybe not the time to w- be winning many friends over with, I told you so moments. Um, but they don't listen, so they begin in t- verse 28. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms, and a fathom is is how they measured how close to the land they were. They have a string with a weight, and they were able to measure as 20 fathoms down. And that's the word where we get, I, I couldn't fathom how you do this. It's kind of this, this word where we say, like, I'm, I'm measuring it. I don't understand it. I don't fathom it. And I think many of us are like these sailors. We're doing the completely rational response in storms. We're managing chaos. We're optimizing what needs to be done right now so that we don't drown. We're doing only that which we can fathom and understand. But in our efforts to manage the chaos, I think we may forget one thing. Who is actually in charge of the storm? Is it us or is it Jesus? This is like that movie Panic Room. Y'all seen the movie Panic Room with Jodie Foster? Well, in the first 10 minutes, if you don't know, so I'm not giving too much away, in the first 10 minutes of, of the movie, We realize this panic room, which is designed to keep evil and chaos out, doesn't work. Because we know this is to be true, that trouble finds a way inside your panic room. Trouble finds a way inside your tightly nestled, secure places in life. Trouble messes up your plans. And what we're doing when we drop our fathoms, our great plans for how to get through this pandemic or this storm is we are now, we are measuring, not, not, the, not the length to the bottom of the ocean floor, we, we are measuring the uncertainty in our lives of trying to manage this chaos, of trying to get our brains around it, trying to manage it to know, this is my plan of how I can make this work. But deep down, we know that that's a bad plan. Deep down, we know that our plan has, is not a good plan because we know we actually don't have any control. And storms teach us that. And so we saw the storm, we see the sailors, and now let's look at the Savior. Y'all ever seen those bumper stickers that says, Jesus is my co-pilot? That's a bad bumper sticker. Like, that, that's terrible theology, right? Like, is Jesus your co-pilot? Or is he the captain of your soul? Some of y'all are looking around at other people's cars right now to see if they got a Jesus is my, bumper, uh, Jesus is my co-pilot bumper sticker. And if you do, talk to me after the wor- afterwards. I'll give you $6 to buy a new bumper sticker. Because it's just bad. It's, <laughs> it's just bad. Do better, people, um, if you have that. <laughs> That's a Malcolmism. But that, that ideology, that theology of, of 
Jesus is my co-pilot is, is, a, is a theology that, that runs through our veins whether we have the bumper sticker or not. So is God 100% in charge or is he like 50% in charge? Is he 70% in charge and I'm like 30% in charge? And so like he's got most of the work. I just got to do my part. You know, if God is not 100% in charge of the world, of your boat, of your storm, he is not God at all. The king of heaven and of earth is the king of the storm and of the boat. He's the king of this storm here in this world. He's the king of this pandemic. Paul says in verse 22, Now I urge you to take heart, have courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I, as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. Now, now Paul was trained in, in Old Testament theology, and, and he knew that if he was to give a prophecy and it didn't come true, they, they, they should kill him. They should stone him. And so Paul isn't saying this lightly or just with positive, wishful thinking, we're going to be good. Like Paul isn't saying like Kendrick, Kendrick, we going to be all right, right? Like, no, that's not what he's doing. He is saying, I have a vision from the Lord. This is God's plan. He has a plan for you. Take heart. Do not fear. Fear is just realizing you can't fathom what God is doing. But take heart. Do not fear. This doesn't mean that whatever a preacher says to you is directly from the Lord. Though sometimes I would love that to be true for myself. Sometimes I hear preachers... At, Say, I'm a man of God, and you should respect the office and whatever I say. Well, that's how toxic abuse happens, and so we don't want to do that. <laughs> Ask yourself, does what I say align with Scripture? If not, tell me to shut up. Like, <laughs> Paul is saying, I have a vision from God <laughs> in a dream, and we're going to be all right. Think how hard it is to believe someone like that. Someone who's telling you there's hope when you are in the storm, when the storm is real, when the, the water is splashing on you. Like when you haven't seen sunlight since I don't know when. You don't, you don't know where the hope's going to come from. And there's this crazy joker, Paul, and says it's going to be good. Like how hard is it to believe when evil happens? Because we can't fathom God has a plan for this storm that I'm going through. Why would he do that? Why would he do that to me? But just because we can't fathom or measure it doesn't mean there isn't a plan. No one says, I don't believe in God because he let Jesus die, do they? Why? I mean, this is the most evil event in the world that, that the Son of God was murdered unjustly and crucified unjustly. But no one says, I don't believe in God because that... Why? Because he says, we see that there is a plan. He did it for you to rescue you, to pay for your sins, to unite you to himself. When you're in the eye of the storm, as many of us here are today, we don't just want to manage the chaos. We want to spend time with the captain. 
I mean, it, it'll give you a bigger perspective. Ask him, what are you doing, Jesus? Spend time with him and say, what is, what, why did you allow this storm? What's the point and the purpose behind this? Now, the, their ship finally wrecks, and they all abandon ship. The prisoners are let out. They, they talked about killing them. They don't kill them. And they all swimming to shore. Some are clinging to planks in the sea, but not one life was lost, just as Jesus has promised Paul. And notice this truth. Jesus works not, not around storms. Jesus works through storms. Jesus works in storms. He hasn't left them to manage their chaos. He is with them through it. He's with you in your storm. And you know it's true because if God didn't abandon you when he was in the worst storm of his life on the cross, if he didn't abandon you then and say this is not worth it, he's not going to abandon you now. He will be with you in this storm. And so, so many times, I think all we need when we're going through the, some type of pain is we just need someone to show up and just be there with us. And Jesus showed up then, and he's going to show up now in our storm. We have to see Jesus' presence in our storms. Look to the Savior who, who is there with you and who died for you. And that's not a platitude. That's just not something that we just have to say as pastors. Like, when you have lost all hope, when I have lost all hope, usually that means that I've lost all hope in, in, in things around me. I've lost all hope in people. But I've also lost all hope in myself, that I can figure this out, that I can manage the chaos, that I can, I can somehow control things to work the way I want them to work. And once that happens, that's a grace thing by God, by the way, to let this happen, so that you can stop trusting and managing things on your own, and now you have to trust someone, someone or somewhere outside of yourself. And you say, I have to trust in something else, and it's not me. I can't be trusted. These people can't be trusted. These things in life can't be trusted. I've got to trust in my Savior. And so it is a gracious thing for the Lord to do these things. So finally, I can come to the Lord and say, the God to whom I belong and to whom I worship, that's where God is taking you, to the God to whom you belong. And so application today, one, take heart, do not be afraid. You belong to the maker of heaven and earth. Trust in who you belong to. You are precious in his eyes. Application number two, eat something. Yeah, it doesn't sound very spiritual. But Paul actually was, if, if Paul only said to these people, just believe the gospel, just trust in Jesus, and they would have been like, that's great, but I, there's this great storm here. We're all freaking out about that. There's all this other stuff that we should be worrying about. Like, let's keep people alive long enough to tell them about the gospel. And so I think take care our, of, of our physical needs is actually an important thing. These sailors didn't eat for two weeks. They're freaking out. Their bodies are breaking down under the pressure. And in storms, sometimes we can forget to care for ourselves and our bodies. And so eat something. Go for a walk. Do the basics. But three, lastly, do something. Again, very, very spiritual, right? When he says, take heart, have courage, 
He's saying, don't give up. Don't see yourself at the bottom of the well and just laying there. I think sometimes in storms, we think, well, there's nothing I can do that makes any difference. And so nothing matters. Don't stay there. Don't stay at that point. Because God, just because you would say, well, yeah, God's going to protect us. And Paul does say that. But then he also tells us in verse 26, but we must run aground on some island for any safety to happen. God is in complete control of this whole thing, but you must run aground. Don't you see what's happening here? He's saying trust in the Lord, and it's a call to action. God's sovereignty and man's responsibility right there in that verse. It is, it is beautiful and fascinating. Trust in God and wear masks. It's a simple application. Rest in Jesus' loving arms and write your senator. There, it, it, it's a both and. Right now, Christians are, are like bags of tea. We only work when we're in hot water. And we're in some hot water, right? And so we were made for a time such as this. Y'all, like, this is the time that, that Christianity and Christians should be shining, appointing people to their creator, to their maker, who tells them how beautiful and wonderful and lovely they are, that he would die for them. We were made for a time like this to care for our neighbors. And so today, don't run from the storm. Don't manage it. Seek out your Savior in the midst of it. God loves you, and he will never, ever, 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 ever leave you. And at the same time, let him work through you to care for the people around you. Let's pray.